You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. the Lord really has been ministering to me is um, about continuing and um, carrying through. And I always, I love to take December and just reflect back on the last year of what the Lord is doing, but not only, and what he has done, not only that, but actually take the promises that you heard from him and actually see them through into the next year. And if you have to see them through into the next year, because we are people of faith. And when we know this, when God speaks something that he is faithful to accomplish it. So what he needs is for us to partner with him to stand and to see it through. And a lot of times we let the enemy rob us of seeing things um, that he God promised us through because we get weary and we get tired. And so I just I heard um new thresholds. I I just saw people like stepping up, you know, a threshold is is a point of crossover. Yeah. It's going from one room to another room. And so I just saw people at this point of a threshold and I just felt like the Lord said It's okay. You can go through and I'm going to stay with you. You stay with me and we're going to see this thing through. And then just just hold on to the word that God gave you. Hold on to it and walk walk it out. Like a lot of times we, you know, I always think too, well, honestly, every day is a new opportunity. Every day that we wake up, we should say today is a new opportunity that I get to meet with you and I get to hear you and I get to experience you in new ways. Sometimes we forget it's just another day or I have all these things that are going on. And I mean, I, what's what's happening to Katie right now, I love because because it is the presence of God. And, you know, we get in these moments, or I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you're just so encompassed and overtaken by the love of God, by the presence of God. And it's like, I don't I don't want to leave this place, but we have things that we have to do. But the beautiful thing is, is that as we invite the Lord in to come into us and dwell with us, we don't actually ever have to leave that presence. It can go everywhere with us and spill out into every situation. And so I love that. Know that, that you can always carry the presence of God. So each day is a new opportunity, but I love thinking of new years as new opportunities to grow, to learn, to hear, to um, have just new possibilities. I don't know. I'm a person who always would, I guess you would say, like, looks at the glass half full and I'm I'm a dreamer and I love to ponder and I love to wonder and not question God but like have like this anticipation and this expectation of like what is new what are you going to do and I feel like sometimes we allow life or circumstances to rob us of that that um ability that 
God gave us to dream and to wonder and to ponder and to question him in a good way, to ask him questions, which is seeking, because when you're seeking, you'll find. That, that's what he says, seek me and you'll find, call to me and I will answer you. Like he wants that communication and it is deeper. It is always deeper. Like I love what you said, that revelation, it can continue to be deeper and deeper and deeper. In Song of Solomon um, 5 and 2, if you read it in the Passion Translation, it says, I was awake, but he awakened and he said it, it's still deeper still deeper we can draw more like god is untappable his depth his width his height his breadth it is un he's unsearchable his mind is infinite and it is limitless so if you can dream it god can do it because he already dreamed it like he just needs a people who are willing to say i can do the impossible but not with myself but with god because he says all things are possible to him who believes and I believe that believing is using your imagination in a productive way to uh, participate with God in the creative uh, creative process to see something that you know that he's actually already dreamed up he's dreamed it up you guys he just needs a willing people or person to say I'll dream with you God and not only will I'll dream with you but I will see that dream through and so I believe that you know the Lord wants to break off some weariness and that he wants um just that staying power that steadfast that steadfast faith in us to be in operation because with him we can achieve all things not in and of ourselves but with him he desire i mean this goes with the love of god he desires and he has good things for you he has plans and purposes he has destinies he has has things that he's dreamed for you from the beginning of time that he wants to see happen for you like in their good amazing crazy things that we could not even think of but it's it's gonna be awesome and so like i i just think that we just need to just take a stand and uh partner with the lord and see things through so that you can step into that new threshold and continue to walk through an actually greater victory and actually greater faith and and actually greater excitement because you know that God is awesome and that he loves you and he has good things for you and all and all of that so in Galatians 6 9 it says don't grow weary in doing good for in due time you will reap if you faint not and a lot of times we've planted seeds and then um we're we're because of life or whatever we're not faithful to seeing that through and I know we talked about this a little bit on our live yesterday but it, it's just burning in me that a farmer he plants a seed and he trusts the process. He trusts that he put a seed into the ground, that he actually worked the ground so that he could put a seed into the Somebody needs to hear that the ground was worked so that the seed could be received so that it could actually produce. And so we put it into the ground and there is time. Sometimes things are quick, but a lot of times 
there's time. It's just that process. It's that journey. It's that mystery. Um, and it's actually not a mystery anymore because we have scientists or somebody who wondered and who thought what's happening under the ground when I put a seed in there. So they, they figured it out and then we, we can know that. So I, I love that you put a seed in the ground and through the, um, the pressure of the dirt and water, then the seed actually comes up and it sprouts and then it can be watered and it can have sunlight and it can grow. And there is a process of growth. Like the thing that comes out of the ground at first is not the full manifestation. It's, it's the working of it. And so we have to have that process of having that seed um, grow and be worked until it comes into the full harvest and then at harvest time that we have to know that there has to, we have to go reap that harvest. And then when we reap the harvest, we have more seed that some of it we get to keep and have for our own. But most of it is actually seed to be sown again for even greater harvest. Yeah, and on. so we have to go like we have to trust the Lord with the process. We have to trust that he's faithful to us and that we can be faithful to him. And that as we partner with him, that he'll see it through. He'll see it to completion. But there are parts on us just to continue to grow and to continue to not let that pressure um, crush us, but actually let that pressure cause the good things to come out out of us and that God is and you know we have the word and we have grace and we know God he is good and that is our filter our filter has to be maybe I don't understand but I know that God God is is good that's right I know that has to be a cornerstone. It has to be a foundational truth that you live by. And I, if you don't know that, then begin to start asking the Lord about his goodness. Yes. And he That's will right. show That's you. That's right. He will, That's you right. know, actually the Lord not too long ago um, in October, he said to me, I want you to ask me about how, how I've been faithful to you. And I was like, okay, how have you been? And he just began to show me all of these times when it felt like you were alone or even abandoned or whatever, and he was right there. He was right there, and his goodness was right there. Sometimes we just don't acknowledge him in that. But he is good, and he is faithful, and he can see things through, and we can see things through with him. So we, you know... I just, I know what the Lord said. That is a time um, that people are at thresholds and that you go cross over the threshold and continue to hold on to that word that he gave you and that he will see it through because he is faithful to complete the work which he started. And guess what? He's also faithful to perform the the word. And Jeremiah, it talks about, you know, Jeremiah is having this conversation with the Lord, which I love. And the Lord just is reminding Jeremiah of who he is. And then Jeremiah is like, but I I, I can't, you know, excuses. And the Lord's like, yes, you can. So what is it that you see? And then so Jeremiah began to tell him what he saw. And then the Lord's like, yes, you saw right. And then the Lord said, I am ready to perform my word. Go prepare arise and speak. And I love that. That's just like this beautiful picture between even us and the Lord where we doubt 
our ability, which is good because it's not our ability. It's God's ability through us. But then God goes and he reminds Jeremiah of who he created him to be. And then they, they, they work together in this relationship of, in a conversation um, of what do you see? And then he said what he saw, and it's just this beautiful back and forth. And then, Jer or, yeah, Jeremiah went and prepared, and then he spoke the word of the Lord to a generation that didn't want to hear what it is that he was going to say, but he did it anyway. Aren't we in that position right now, needing to speak to a generation who does not want to hear what it is that we have to say? But as we speak forth the word of God, that is the thing that breaks bondages, That's right. that That's breaks right. yokes, that sees the seeds planted into the ground so that there can be success in the future generation. Amen. 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 I agree. All right. Hallelujah. Just stay right there. Okay. <laughs> I questioned whether I should go sit down, and I thought, well, let's share for a few minutes together. Uh, you know, you said something that, well, a lot of things that were really good, but one of the things that, that stood out to me, and I want to I hit this for a couple minutes here, is that, you know, there's a seed that God wants to put in us of promise of future, and it's always and only good. Everybody say always. Always. And only. And only. Good. Good. That's right. And the thing that I have come to find is that whenever the enemy works on people to get them to believe on some level that God's not good or that he's withholding or that he's upset or that somehow this calamity they're dealing with, or the lack of vision that they have in their heart, that if, if, they can, if the enemy can get those people to believe that somehow that God orchestrated that, those people, whoever they would be, would stay out of the presence of the one who they believe is giving it or allowing it to come into their life. See, it's a ploy of the enemy, and the enemy's been working hard at this through religion for a lot of years to make people believe that the bad stuff comes from God or that somehow God's allowing it. People say things like, Satan is God's messenger boy, you know, stupid things like that. Listen, God takes no pleasure in any kind of evil. It's important that we are able to identify what is good and what is evil. And actually, everybody already understands it. It's just that the enemy has helped people misunderstand it for a long time. And they'll, they'll take all of the stuff of life. And here's the deal is that you have to use discernment and you need the wisdom of God to help you discern things properly because sometimes you'll have pressures that will come on you that are actually good for the seed that's in you. Thank you for the one amen. That's good. Yeah. Come on now. Sometimes pressures are good for you and it's good that we're able to, to gain strength during those times of pressure, but it's also inaccurate to have issues go on that we have authority over and just claim it as, well, this is helping me grow. We should grow through everything, but we shouldn't stay underneath of things that God has redeemed us from. Yes, that's good. And so we have to have at, the, at our cornerstone, like you're saying, at the cornerstone of our belief system has to be that God is good. Because if you believe that, then it will cause you to go to him so that he can place the thing in you that you need to take you to the next thing in life. That's good. That's good. Because God, the whole, the kingdom of God works on seed time and harvest. Everything is seed. 
everything is seed. The words that I'm speaking now are seed. And you can either take them and do nothing with them, or you can put it in the soil of your heart, and you can let God take this and do something great in your life. But the truth is, is that God is the one, it's His Word, and the Word being paper and ink, I've met a many people that can take the Word and they know it frontwards and backwards, but yet there's no life, there's no fruit, there's no produce in their life. Why? Because it was never them and the Lord together taking it and allowing Him to plant that, that seed inside of their heart. Because see, the only way that the Word of God is, is uh, workable or produces anything is when that seed has life in it. Because you can take the word, and I'm, I would never say that the word of God isn't life. It's him. It's who he is. It is life. It's alive. It's, quick, it's, a, it's quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that. But in order for it to come alive inside of you, it has to be spoken by him. And if the enemy can keep you out of a place of intimacy, then how can he ever plant a seed inside of you that you can see come to pass in your life? You won't. You'll stay out of intimacy with the Lord. And this is a crude example, but it's a true example. And there's, there is a, a mirrored uh, picture that when you have a husband and wife and they are intimate, what happens is that seed is planted and then uh, production comes. Fruit comes. You don't believe me? Ask Ron and Wendy. Amen. So <laughs> they have lots of fruit production. But, uh, but that's true. But it comes from a place of intimacy. And it's a picture of our relationship with the Lord. That when we're intimate with him, he will place in us what's needed to produce and multiply things that will bring tremendous growth, change, life, blessing, favor, increase in our life. Hallelujah. So we first have to be to a place to where we know that God is good. Then we can go to him because people are offended at God. People operate much like the disciples do, and I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I'm telling you, I know things that I've dealt with in my own heart and my own life, is that when you don't see something happen like you think it ought to, or it takes longer than, than, it's, than you believe it was supposed to, or it just didn't work for some reason like, like you believed according to the word that you received, what happens is that people become offended at the Lord. This is like the disciples. And Jesus said, get into the boat and go over to the other side. And then there was a, a, a great, there was a demonic windstorm that rose up. There was no issue going on naturally that should have caused this windstorm. It was a demonic windstorm. It was sent by the enemy to derail them. And the disciples, instead of going, you know what? Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. Let's at least inquire of him what we ought to do. No, they turned to him and he was asleep in the boat. And they said, do you not even care that we're perishing? See, you can hear the offense that was in their heart. Like, you know, you told us to get in this boat. Now look what's happening. Well, whenever God tells you to do anything, you can bet your bottom dollar that the enemy is going to come against because he doesn't want to see anything of God come to pass in this life. When God gives you a word, go ahead and buckle up that the enemy is going to come against you. But see, Jesus knew his father. He was intimate with his father. And he was able to take that situation, take his authority, and authority comes through relationship. A lot of times people are rebuking and commanding and trying to cast out, and they have no intimacy with the Lord. Authority comes from relationship with God. And so when you are in intimate relationship with the Lord, and you have something come against your word, go to the other side. Instead of saying, God, how dare you allow me to be in this situation? You'll turn to God and say, God... 
thank you for telling me to go to the other side. I'm going to take that word now in Jesus' name. Shut up. Come out. Sit down. Be healed. Get out of the way because you're the one that has the authority to take God's word and to fight with that word. Paul told Timothy, he said, take the, the prophecies previously spoken to you and wage the good warfare. You know, the most dangerous thing for you to do is to set course on something that is supernatural in ministry or whatever and not have a word from God. Because you don't have a word from God, you don't have anything to fight with. This is why for me, whenever people are like, I, I would love to do this or love to do that or love to do this. And sometimes we can have all these ideas. It's like, what did God say? If you ever move in this life in any kind of ministry out of need, you will be destroyed. The need is always greater than the amount of people and whatever there is to be able to meet all the needs. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. You're always going to have great need in this life to meet. But what is God saying? What is God speaking? And if God spoke into your heart, you can and you will get to the other side if you take that word and you stick with it. Hallelujah. Let me show you this in 2 Corinthians. Are you all with me? I mean, how many of y'all got a great touch from the Lord during worship this morning? Oh my gosh, why would we ever not be here? I mean, if we can, I know sometimes things come up in life or whatever, but this is the place to be. Look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and this is really, really good, and we're going to go to verse 17. It says, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? If you plan anything out of the flesh, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have yes. And then as soon as things come against you, you're going to go, oh, I shouldn't have done this. And if you're in something that isn't of God, Stop doing it. And obviously, like sin and stuff like that, that's not of God. But I'm talking about if you're pressing in to whatever area, venue, down a track that God didn't tell you to get on, if you birth something, you have to feed it. It's good until you birth it. <laughs> but the word is good. I know what you meant. But if you birth something, you have to feed it. That's a horrible way to live. But when God puts something in you and he causes it to come to pass, the provision's there. He'll take care of the thing. So when you get in the middle of it and you know it came from God, it doesn't have to be being double-minded. Yes, no, yes, no. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. There are so many applications. There are so many applications to this. Now go on, get your stuff out of here. We can oftentimes have our, and you could, again, apply this to so many things. We can have our one foot here and one foot here. I mean, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll say that with like people in the world, like, oh, well, they've got one foot in the church because they come on Sunday morning, but I saw them out at the bars on Saturday night or whatever, you know, which if you saw them, then you probably were at the bar too. But <laughs> I saw them stumbling out of the bar as I was driving by. 
You know, so we think of like one foot in, one foot out, or being in two places like that. But how about just being double-minded in your thinking? So if you're being double-minded, it's either because you didn't receive a word from the Lord and you know it, and you need to backtrack a little bit and say, God, what's the last thing that you said to me? Because I think I had one thing, and then I added 15 things to it. Or it could be that God spoke to you, and you just need to make a decision. I'm not going to be double-minded about what God spoke to me. I've had to do this in ministry a a lot, like every day almost, (laughs) definitely weekly. I've had to do this and be like, you know what? doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. Doesn't matter who's who's come against or isn't for, or just isn't with that I thought would be with or for and not against or whatever the situation is. I've had to just go, you know what, God, you gave me a word, and it really doesn't matter what other people do. It really doesn't matter what other people do. When you get a word from God, you know what you should not do? You should not immediately confer with flesh and blood. When Paul got a word from God, he got the the gospel. There's only one gospel. When he got the gospel, he got the revelation of Jesus Christ which is the gospel of grace that he, he preached everywhere that he went. It says in Galatians that he did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Because if he had gone to the ones that were before him, now there's nothing wrong with taking things to people that are over you in the Lord and allowing them to help you process things. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when God plants something in you, the worst thing you can do is go tell other people and try to convince them of your word from God. How about take your word, you rest in that word, and let God perform his word. For he who called you to do it, he's also able to perform it. Let God perform that thing. Don't try to get everybody else on your side, because you're going to wind up having a bunch of unbelief from people that you do not need that will hinder the word of the Lord in your life. You know, we were talking about this right before church. Uh, A few of us met met my office to pray. And, um, you know, we were just talking about having a pure faith. You, you don't need huge faith. It says that the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Mustard seed is, you know, you've heard this before, it's really, really small. So Jesus was using this analogy. He said, look, you don't need, you don't need great faith. Some people talk about building their faith bigger and getting a, a bigger faith. You don't really need bigger faith. You need less unbelief. There's things that would speak to you opposite of the word of the Lord And even if it's just a little, one little bitty word from God, that's all you need. You don't need anything else. Because in that word is the faith that you need. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you have a word from God, it will produce faith in your heart. You just simply have to believe that word and the word will come to pass. And every time I minister on these things, I, I hear things in the spirit, and then sometimes I'll hear things with my physical ears, but people always go, yeah, but, yeah, but, what about, remember when, forget all that stuff. Do you think that we have operated in faith perfectly up to this point in our life? No way. There's not one person in here that has done anything perfect with the word that God gave them. So when you had loss, you had failure, things didn't work out, you can't take the word of the Lord and go back to where you missed it and say that's going to be the same thing that happens now. Because then you're dumbing down the word that God has for you now based on your past. That's what you call unbelief. We're called, we're called to live higher than that, live greater than that. And this perspective is the only thing that will, will keep you going. Because we come into relationship with the Lord, and human beings, Christians, 
have so little knowledge of how to operate in faith. We have a little bit of understanding, like you speak the word, you believe, and then miracles happen. And then you do that for about you know six months or a year, hardcore, and you see almost nothing. And you're like, why? It's just, this just doesn't work. If the word says it works, it works. The problem isn't the word, and it's not God, it's us. But you know what? The Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no condemnation in it, but let's not dumb down the word to fit our experience. That's where bad doctrine gets birthed. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, oh, I think I've believed wrong. Yeah, we all have believed wrong in some ways. Let's not believe wrong. Let's believe right. Hallelujah. All right, look here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And look here now at verse 18. It says, But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. So he's saying it wasn't both. It was one thing. And he says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, or Silvanus, however you say his name, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Now listen here. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him Amen to the glory of God through us. You know, Carly mentioned this verse when she was here. I think it was on Saturday night. And uh, that's why I love listening to other people because it'll stir your thinking in different ways. And, you know, she said something to the effect that there is often a time between yes and you come into agreement or with the fact that God has already spoken and declared that word to the amen and when you see it happen. And oftentimes it depends on what it is. This is where discernment comes in. Sometimes we're the ones that shorten that gap. Sometimes we do. I hear people all of the time, and if you said this to me recently, I'm not saying this because you told me this. I have people tell me this all the time. All the time. And I'm constantly going, nope, that is not correct. Nope, that is not correct. When it comes to physical healing, the time between uh, yes and amen is dependent upon us. Because... People often, they, they'll be in their physical ailments, and they'll be dealing with those, and instead of saying, this thing I have been redeemed from, and I have authority over it, they, it's comforting at the moment to say, well, you know, God's teaching me something through this, or in, this is where I really have to help people, is that in His time, the day of salvation is today. And it's not just talking about being saved from hell, it's talking about being saved from uh, hellacious stuff here on this earth. There's a lot of uh, things that the enemy has brought into the earth, and sickness is one of them, and we have been redeemed from every single curse, every single demonic entity, and every single demonic manifestation. We have been redeemed from it. We need to take our authority. We need to take the promise of the Word of God, and we cannot move off of it. So there's, there's, and there's no condemnation for that. I've had things that I've had to believe God for for a long time. You say, oh, the Lord was growing you in your faith. I grew in my faith, but it wasn't the Lord making it take longer. It was me. I was dealing with unbelief. Come on now. But you know, then there are some things like a ministry or a family or relationships oftentimes finances, you can't microwave those things. So the time between yes and amen 
Could be this long, could be this long, could be this long. It just depends on what you're talking about. But there is something that takes place between the yes and the amen. And that is our thinking, and that's where the fight really is. Because if you believe the word of the Lord, believing it originally is not difficult. Seeing, seeing it come to pass, that's where the challenge is. Faith, is. faith is so easy. Grace and faith is so easy. God's grace provides. You put faith in it. Yes. There's your yes. That's easy. Everybody understands that. No problem. But seeing it come to pass also is easy, but it's just the diff- It's just sticking with it between the yes and the amen. It's being, it's being so persuaded in your heart. And this is what Paul said. He said that I'm, I am persuaded or I'm fully persuaded or fully convinced that he who gave the promise is also faithful to perform it. And it doesn't matter what the promise is. I know a lot of times people, they're like, well, I don't believe in that healing stuff. That's fine for you. I'm going to believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed because that's what he said he gave me. So I'm going to believe that. And people are like, well, I don't believe in the prosperity. You know, well, you can be poor if you want to. I'm going to get as rich as I possibly can and bless more peoples, give more money to missionaries. Yeah, even buy my kids all the shoes that they want to. Amen. You know, God doesn't, he doesn't, he wants to get money through you. We're not here to store up things for ourselves. That's not why we're here. But you know, in the process, God's fine with you being blessed. He's fine with it. It's no problem. We oftentimes think that, that God's arm is short and that there's only enough money to do. There's more money than we could ever possibly shake a stick at in this world. We just need more of it to come to us. Why? Because we have a covenant with God that we need to take to people. And it says that he gives us power to gain wealth to establish his covenant in the earth. But you know, when the Lord blesses you with stuff, when you go out, the Lord tells you to play golf and you say, okay. And then he buys you a set of golf clubs, you go play golf. And actually it was only half the price for the membership, which is available to everybody. Sometimes there's things available to everybody and they'll be like, it was a blessing of the Lord. And it's like, well, you know, it was available. I like those things that are unique, that was like it only could be God. I like to testify about those things. But praise God, it was half price. And so anyways, uh, then when you have a meeting on the golf course and somebody drops a house in your lap, you don't say, oh, no, no, no. It's too nice for me. <laughs> Some of us, you got something to say? We're about out of time, but... that testimony because here's the thing a lot of us and this is where the enemy will get us is there is a poverty mindset on us um and we think that playing golf or doing nice things is too excessive come on but god worked in the midst of that he said go play golf okay golf is a little bit of of an expensive sport especially like when you like the green balls that you like okay i'm just saying but you know what god provided every ounce of money for everything and he had a bigger purpose for it but actually even 
a greater purpose because, you know, when you go play and you have fun, actually you tap into creativity that the enemy wants to keep you out of and he wants to keep you bound in fear and different things. So when you do things creatively, when you have fun, when you have enjoyment in life, then all of a sudden you tap into creative ability, which God always intended for you. And then you get to express it in different ways, which bring him glory. And I mean, the Lord spoke lots of great things to you on the golf course. And he actually expanded your um, ability with the creative process because you went out and you played golf. But also he had a divine appointment on the golf course. Could God have done it another way? Maybe. But he was doing something greater that all we had to do was say yes. And sometimes, you know, our brain are just even like our lack of uh, thinking that God is able to do big, extravagant things. God is a lavish God. That's right. He is an extravagant God. Okay, if you, like, take, your mind will go till, and it should. Just think about the streets of heaven are made of gold. What we walk on in heaven is what we value here most on earth. So come on. And he said, that's what you get to walk on in heaven. So golf clubs and golf fees and green golf balls are not outside of his ability to provide for it. But when we say, oh, God doesn't want me to have nice things. He wants me to live beneath or at this lower level. No, actually, God wants us because we are his children to live at high levels because who are the people who are going to participate with him in growing the kingdom? Yeah. extravagant kids who know that God um, loves them and that he wants to put good things on them. Not that we, that they have us, but that we just use them. So don't let the enemy limit you and lie to you saying that you shouldn't have nice things. Yeah. Okay. All right. Amen. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We'll just (laughs) trust the Lord. Okay. Praise God. Now, let's not have a poverty mindset. Because if we, you know, a poverty, having a poverty mentality, a poverty mindset, it's not just about, about finances, but it's everything good that God wants you to have. You know, basically, this is what pastoring in America is, okay? Let me tell you what pastoring is, is in America. Taking people, even non-believers sometimes, oftentimes, that have been so inundated, they have been integrated, and they have been brainwashed by Americanized, Westernized mindset from the church. And this, this is, so it's an uphill battle to, and I'm not saying you guys are this, but I'm just saying just people in general, to get people from, to stop thinking down here and to think higher because God wants us to come up. It's not about having nice stuff, but if God wants you to have nice stuff, who are you, who are you and I to reject God? Who, who are you and I to reject his blessing? And what a testimony that is to his glory when somebody's like, wow, you have nice things. Be like, wow, God provided it all. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And when you get the nice stuff, you don't stop coming to church. Right. Come on. I mean, sometimes it's like, why haven't I seen you? Well, we've been out on the lake on the boat. And it's like, well, God provided that. Why would you deny going to church where you learn how to be blessed in the first place? But you know, the Bible says that Abraham... He was rich. Everybody say rich. Rich. In gold and silver and livestock. 
And it says that, because, that Jesus, it says, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. And the curse came upon Jesus so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us who believe. Now, specifically, it was talking about righteousness by faith, which is the greatest blessing that we have. On, yeah. But once you are in with God, why would you not enjoy all of the things that God can give you? Yeah. We, just need to break, we just need to break this stuff off. Everybody go like this. There's a chain up here. Go bam. Just break it off in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet, and why don't you just pray over them and bless them. And let's just totally have nothing to do with the spirit of poverty anymore. Because here's the deal. You know, Ashley and Carly, they were just here. I was at a meeting uh, where Ashley was there, and he gave $100,000 from his personal money to a ministry. And he was believing God for that. He was believing God for that. You think somebody that has a poverty mentality is going to believe God, receive $100,000, and give $100,000? See, if you can trust God for those kind of things, it will come to you. There was a point in our life when Liz and I, we couldn't hardly give away $100 without squealing about it because it was, you know, I was so tight, you know, that I squeaked when I walked and, you know, she was in fear and I had some fear issues or whatever. And now we, I haven't given away that much money, but we have given away thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, even beyond our tithing. And we continue to be blessed. Yep. Nobody can blame it on my mega church. <laughs> you mega church pastors. <laughs> no, it's the blessing of the Lord. Makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. That's right. That is right. I heard Brother Andrew say this. I'm going to say this real quick and then I'm going to go pass it to you and you pray. Amen. Amen. He said he had this guy that years ago he decided, he said, I'm going to buy Andrew Walmack. Um, I'm going to make sure he's got new cars. And I'm not prophesying to anyone to give me a new car or whatever, but hey, if the Lord puts it on your heart, it's no problem. But seriously, he, um, the Lord put it on this guy. He was super wealthy. And so he would buy him new, new cars every couple of years or something like that. He would just show up with these, these nice cars, way nicer than what Andrew would have bought for himself. And uh, he pulled up to a, a gas station and he had this brand new Suburban. How I many y'all know Suburbans ain't cheap? And uh, so he pulled up to this gas station with a Suburban, and somebody recognized him. And he said, boy, that's a nice car you got there. And he said, yeah, it is. You know, the Lord blessed me with it. And he said, you TV preachers are all the same. <laughs> and so he pulled away from there. Andrew goes back to the guy, and he said, man, he said, you got to quit buying me such nice cars. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, well, it's, an, it's embarrassing that people that see me as a minister, and then they see me driving nice cars. It's embarrassing. And the guy turned to Andrew, and he said, if your prosperity isn't embarrassing you, you're not prospering God's way. Well, that'll now that, make your that doesn't go mean tilt. you need that doesn't mean you need to go and get into debt and do stupid no, stuff. Yes. We've been there before. Yes. It says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. You go buy yourself a sixty thousand dollar vehicle and you ain't got the money to pay for it. That could add some sorrow to you. So you got to use wisdom. But man, if God blesses you, thank God. And if people criticize you, forget about them. Amen. Amen. And you know, you guys are so good and you're so faithful. You are so giving and, and we, we love that and we thank you for it. But I believe actually the Lord is saying increase. So we actually need to expand 
expand our borders, our minds, our thoughts even greater so that actually more blessing can be heaped upon you, that could be heaped upon the church, that can continue go. Like we have lots of things, lots of vision that the Lord has placed inside of yeah. us, and he wants to funnel money through you all to see that come to pass, to see the kingdom of God continue to grow, not only in, in this region and in, you know, this state and in this nation. I mean, so we we are the faithful saints who get to steward God's, sorry, money. I know you don't like No, no, it's clicking. So, oh, sorry. So anyways, I believe that the Lord is just saying more. More, which right. means that we'll be even become greater stewards. So not only whenever we're asking for more, we also have to ask the Lord, like, Lord, how is it that you're wanting me to steward That's the right. more? How That's can right. I actually grow so that I can handle the more and the more won't crush me in That's this right. process? So Come continue on. to ask the Lord, what does this look like for me to hold more? And then how is it going to bring you glory? If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.